rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Everybody, welcome to episode 200 of the Man of Scream podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, as I have been for all 200 episodes of this podcast. Uh, before we go into uh, the meat of this episode, I just want to reflect a little bit on 200 episodes worth of the Man of Scream podcast. I mean, obviously, it's more than that with the 34 extras that I've done and that Man of Scream at the movies thing that I tried for two episodes before ultimately giving up on that. It's been a long haul. You know, I had big plans when I started this thing. Ambitious plans, you could say. Daunting plans, you might even say. Some have. But here I am. The first episode dropped March 1st, 2016. Here I am, roughly five years later, probably a little bit more, dropping episode 200. And there's a great big part of me that can't believe it. You know, it seemed... So far in the future, you know, here I am covering episode, two episodes of The Adventures of Superboy that are the ve- are at the very beginning of coverage year 1992. Episode one covered the Fleischers. That was coverage year 1941. Now, granted, uh, it was only 1976-ish that started a run of Superman content every year, just about. But to cover 50 years worth of content in 200 episodes is is really something. And... I'm not alone here. Well, I am. I'm alone behind the mic. I've had, I've had some gr- great guests over the course of the 200 episodes. You know, right before I started the show, I pegged, you know, Bob Fisher as somebody I wanted to do a share of my adventures of Superman coverage with. And that turned out very well. I mean, I'm very happy with how things have turned out over the 200 episodes. And I have you, the listener, to uh, thank for it for keeping me going. Some of you more than others. Maybe Dave any more than most. Uh, but the amount of podcasts that Dave writes into, it's it's quite amazing that he finds time for it, to write something on every episode. And I definitely appreciate that. And I appreciate that. And the iTunes reviews that I've gotten. Everything. It's been a long ride. And it's been fun. I know there are... Some of you have asked about the future. I've said to some of you what I'd be happy with. And I haven't reached that point yet but i am going to choose oddly enough episode 200 to tell you guys this show does have an end point i am not going to do this forever i've said in the past to a few people off mic i don't think i've ever said this on mic but i've said that i'd be happy with this podcast if i got through superman the animated series and that's where the ride is going to stop part of it is yeah to be quite honest that 10 seasons of smallville is very intimidating that's that's 217 episodes of Smallville over the 10 seasons. At to a pop, that is a 109 episode run. That's over two years of coverage. I don't want to start and not finish. And so there's that. The other thing is this podcast has always been meant to be 
retrospective about the stuff that I enjoyed when I was a kid and the stuff that really formed my Superman fandom. Additionally, the reality is that I have a greater affinity for the 20th century content than I do for the 21st century content. Let's just say that. And some of it I haven't even seen. How can I be retrospective about Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, which I've never seen, or even Justice League Action, which I've only watched a couple times. And plus, I've done all the movies that Superman has appeared in since 2013, so I'm not going to do some TV and not others, so it's probably best just to call it a day after Superman the Animated Series. With that being said, there are there is other stuff I want to do, ending at... The end of Superman the Animated Series kind of takes Superman Returns off the table. I still do want to cover that and maybe the animated films. So maybe I'll come up with some kind of different format to cover that stuff. So that's my plan. After I finish Superboy, which is five or six episodes away, I'm going to take a few months off and then start back up with Lois and Clark. And then run right into, especially because they'll overlap for a time, run into... Superman the Animated Series, and then and then fly off uh, into the void. So that's that. I just wanted to make that announcement here. This seemed like the best time to do it. I'm at peace with that decision, and hopefully you are too. So now, let's uh, get into the episode. Feedback to address. Feedback is from Dave McElvenny. Dave's writing in on Man of Screen, episode 189. And Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I really enjoyed the stories in this episode. A Day in the Double Life was fun and funny with Clark trying to cover his life as Superboy without technically lying. In writing about his day on The Notebook, I'm surprised he started waking up in the morning, showering, shaving, making coffee, and reading the paper, none of which is work-related, since Jackson wanted to know what he did with his time during work. But I guess it is a way to ease into writing about his double life without exposing his double life. I enjoyed the bickering agents Harrison Keller, who provided comic relief in an episode that didn't really need it, but that was fun too. You are correct, in the years before Crisis on Infinite Earth, Superman's hair and beard didn't grow, so he didn't need to shave. Shaving with his heat vision was the invention of John Byrne, first seen in his Man of Steel miniseries, rebooting the character. Body Swap was a good treatment of longtime science fiction superhero concept. It looked like both Gerard Christopher and Sherman Howard were having fun with the switched roles. Christopher even more than Howard, I think. I was surprised, too, that when quote-unquote Lex was trying to convince Lana that that he was really Superboy, he didn't start off by telling her something that only he and Lana would know to prove it. I like that Superboy and Lana tricked Lex into switching back, but I was surprised at how eager the real Superboy seemed that Lex would be heading back to the real electric chair at some point. That seemed a little more bloodthirsty than we're used to from the character. Looking forward to your coverage of Rebirth. It's a good run of episodes lately. Live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. All right, Dave, as always, I thank you for your feedback. Uh, yeah, Day in the Double Life was definitely fun and funny. And, uh, you know, it is funny anytime you have to deal with uh, Clark trying to cover for himself a Superboy without lying. Yeah, and as far as your surprise uh, that he started off with the diaries, that with the uh, waking up in the morning, showering, shaving, making coffee, and reading the paper, you're right, none of that is work-related. But if you think about it, he <laughs> continued with his diary for the day, even after he returned uh, the diary at the end of the episode to Jackson. Because he finishes up off with... Uh, 7 p.m., read a book, and went to sleep. And, yeah, you know, I really don't have a a ton else to say beyond what I said in the episode. It was a very fun episode. And uh, now, obviously, as far as the beard going, uh, the beard is easy to deal with. How does he cut his hair? How much heat vision can he reflect before things get completely out of control? 
you know, you would think you'd have to reflect it all over the place just to uh, to get to get the excess hair. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overthinking that, but just the idea of you know, like Superman having a like this elaborate system to cut his hair is funny to me. And that concept is uh, running away from me. And yeah, body swap was definitely a good treatment of the uh, of the concept. And Gerard Christopher and uh, Sherman Howard definitely had fun with the switch roles. Definitely Christopher more than Howard because you know, although I think even if you're uh, playing the someone else's straight laced character, just uh, imitating the other person is fun in and of itself. It's, especially if you can do it good naturedly, you know. I can imagine it's interesting uh, seeing how somebody else interprets what you're doing. Because in essence, they're trying to do what you do. And uh, Sherman Howard always looked like he has a lot of fun when he plays Lex Luthor. Never more so in the episodes that he writes himself. But uh, they've had, we hadn't gotten to that point yet, but as far as body swap. But yeah, it's all good. And uh, since Dave wrote that he was surprised too that uh, Superboy did try to convince Lana who he was by saying something that only the two, that only the two of them knew. But maybe if uh, he got to that point, things would have been different. And yeah, I was too surprised at the way uh, Superboy seemed uh, very excited about Lex's uh, upcoming date with the electric chair. But I think at this point, he's uh, tired of Lex's crap. Maybe you're just having a bad day. I don't know. So thank you, Dave, for writing in. If you want to write in too, screen at gmail.com. So at this point, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. When I come back, To Be Human, part one. Hang around, folks. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. (laughs) That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to start things off with To Be Human, Part 1. Original broadcast date was January 19th, 1992. Directed by John Hunick and written by J.M. DeMatteis. Guest cast included Paul McCrane as Chaos. Paul McCrane is best known to me as uh, a member of the Clarence Boddicker gang in uh, RoboCop, the original one, the only one that matters. And uh, what I didn't know, and I found out uh, when I did a little bit of research, he had a long run on ER. I think his character's name was uh, Robert Robert Romano or something like that. And uh, he was on from seasons four through ten, and he had a guest spot in season 15. I also uh, knew him as Graham Bauer, the, I think, younger brother of Jack Bauer in the end of season five and the beginning of season six of 24. I'm sure he was in a whole bunch of other stuff, but I seem to recall him doing an episode of The Commish with Michael Schickles as well back in the early, back in the early 90s, but I didn't uh, check on that. So he's been, been around. 
I know less about some of the other actors that are going to show up. Patricia Helwick as Dr. Danielle Lynn. Barry Myers, obviously, as Bizarro slash Bill Zaro. And Lee Saudry as Bizarro Lana. And our synopsis is brought to you by Wikipedia. After a year of quote-unquote normal life, Bizarro Lana explodes one afternoon, leaving Bizarro devastated. Superboy finds Bizarro mourning Bizarro Lana and offers him hope. Lana! Lana! Why? She died. I don't know. Something in the duplication process was unstable. Maybe... Why? She died! They make me copy of you and me live. They make her copy of Lana and she die. Me freak, monster, me should be dead like her. No! There's always hope. He wants to die. Come with me to hope. Hope of being made into a normal human being. Superboy takes Bizarro to Dr. Lin. Increase his intelligence, integrate him into human society. Well, you've set me quite a challenge, Superboy. This is the best research lab in the world, Dr. Lin. If you can't help us. Well, I didn't say that I couldn't help you. The cosmetic part should be easy. We've been working with synthetic skin that we could graft onto him. But the mental. No use. Me. I'm hopeless. Well, you let me be the judge of that. Since he was created from you, you're the key. There's a device I've been working on based on brainwave transfer, biorhythmic transfusion. We haven't dared risk it on humans, but superhumans. There'll be side effects. Bizarro's superpowers will be negated. He will be, to all intent and purposes, human. But you, as the donor, we have no way of knowing how you'll be affected. I'll take the chance. No. Why you do this? Dangerous. Why you risk life for Bizarro? You were made for me. You're a part of me. How could I turn my back on my brother? You. I'm a good friend. You am too. The transfer works, but something causes the machines to overload. Right. Make pain stop. Superboy. I'm all right. What happened? Bizarro's structure is more unstable than our test indicated. His biofeedback has overloaded the circuitry. Anybody got any aspirin? My head is killing me.
This is amazing. Words, words have meaning. I read, and in here, I have ideas. I can't believe what I'm thinking and, and feeling. Superboy, Dr. Lin, how can I ever thank you for what you've given me? You can thank us later. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. This is just the beginning. You've absorbed a mass of information from Superboy's brain. But it's jumbled, chaotic. It has to be ordered, digested, and understood. And you won't be needing me for that. I'll always need you, my brother. I'll be checking in, Doctor. Is everything all right with you? Any side effects? Just a little dizziness. Dizziness? Nothing to worry about. I think it's time to begin your education. Then we'll get going on those skin grafts. Superboy is left disoriented and weak. Meanwhile, Chaos, an insane terrorist, is bombing parts of the city and wreaking havoc. Chaos is spotted by Superboy driving down Capital City Street, shooting at random pedestrians. As Superboy flies over, Chaos fires at him. And in his weakened state, Superboy is injured by the blast and falls to the street. Interesting. That little blast shouldn't have done more than distract you. My point exactly. Things fall apart, even Superboy. Chaos drags Superboy away to dispose of him once and for all. All right, so a lot to chew on in this episode. All of it, bizarro, very little of a chaos, as he's basically just kind of a... Chaos is really just a plot device in this episode, when you think about it. He's just, what's going on while we're dealing with this uh, bizarro story? So, the episode starts on a crooked house in the middle of what looks like a dead field, and we were first hearing uh, about the villain Chaos on this old-time radio, and you look at the house, it's very uh, unorganized, crooked, Wallpaper and floors and ceilings going in every uh, different direction. Looks like I built this house. And uh, this is uh, Bizarro Lon. I'm making breakfast for uh, Bizarro, who comes out uh, wearing his uh, Superboy costume with a newspaper in his bathrobe. You know, kind of looked like my grandfather did at the time, you know. Probably just came out of the bathroom. You know, my grandfather walked somewhere with uh, the newspaper under his shoulder. It was a pretty good idea he was going to go sit on his throne for a little while. So... Of course, uh, because he's bizarro, he's reading uh, the paper upside down. And uh, this is when I kind of wonder how they get their supplies. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the good Mr. DiMatteis didn't worry about that. And I'm not going to worry about it beyond my random using either. But this looks like a typical morning for the bizarros. And apparently he uh, bizarro likes his toast extra burned. And they seem very happy, be you know, because they're... Living their lives and nobody's bothering them and, uh, and you know, things are uh, going well. You know, I did mention that I like the crooked nature of the house, structurally flawed and off, uh, off kilter. It's, it's not a cube planet, but what is? But this is the typical morning. And then an old problem comes to haunt the Bizarros. If you remember really early on in season two when Bizarro first showed up with Dr. Peterson's uh, duplicate array, Everything that got duplicated was unstable, and it took Bizarro's exposure to uh, the Bizarro Kryptonite to correct that problem in him, but it didn't work as well for Bizarro Lana. It only seemed to her year, and she's going on the fritz here, you know, 
And uh, she starts to smoke and is clearly uh, about to die. And then the house explodes. Now, at the bureau, uh, Clark is looking at a picture of Chaos and uh, played by Paul McGrain. I've already talked about him, so no reason to go into that further. Matt, Lana, and Clark are continuing to talk about Chaos. And uh, I wasn't sure at first why they were discussing him, as that would be more of a police matter and not a bureau matter. But I was very happy to see that the show answered the question for me. You know, I almost kind of expected that to be uh, kind of thrown under the rug and uh, just, you know, here's our story, accept it. But no, the show answers my question as, uh, and the answer which comes from Matt is because he's after Superboy. So I like that the show was self-aware enough to realize that the Bureau of Extra Normal Matters is not a newspaper or a police force. And there needs to be a reason for them to be involved with a guy like Chaos. So Lana gets this big pile of files to go through and... uh Clark helps her out and goes through them at super speed. Such super speed that he accidentally blows one of the papers across the room to Lana. And uh, he has to make a crack about the building's air conditioning to uh, cover the fact that the paper blew over. So Lana finds something that she thinks is interesting. A cottage blows up in the middle of nowhere. And uh, she thinks it might be related to chaos, but Clark dismisses it. I wonder if Clark knows where Bizarro is and could find him whenever he wanted the show never specified, so maybe that's the case. I don't know. So, Lana's confused as to why Clark is dismissing it, but, you know, Clark obviously has his reasons. And I wonder how much time had passed if that showed up on the Bureau's uh, desk. So anyway, Bizarro is clearly in a bad way. He uh, doesn't understand why he lived and Lana has died, or Bizarro Lana, for that matter. You know, he's still got the mind of a child. He still doesn't have that <laughs> extra processing power to... Kind of deal with life, you know. Nobody's ever t- really taught him these things. So now that he's lost his happiness, he kind of almost falls back to his default mode of thinking his, he's a freak. And honestly, Bizarre might actually be suicidal here. And Superboy comes to him, reaches out his hand, and says he's going to uh, deliver hope to Bizarro. I guess you could ask why he's never tried this before, but maybe this uh, scientist that he brings... Bizarro to Dr. Danielle Lynn. Maybe he wasn't aware of her before, or maybe she's made some kind of new breakthrough. So anyway, she's working on some kind of brain machine that can make Bizarro a little more human. However, it will take Bizarro's powers away, and we don't know what effect it will have on Superboy. Basically, what they have to do is they have to give a little bit of Superboy's brain power to Bizarro. Why this affects his abilities, I don't know, but aside from because of reasons of plot, but we just kind of have to go with that. Ever selfless, Superboy's willing to uh, take the chance to help Bizarro, with whom he's always felt a kinship because Bizarro was made from him. Superboy sincerely considers him a brother. It takes a while for Bizarro to understand it, but he gets it. Anyway, here's Chaos making his statement. He claims to have no agenda other than to just kind of sow Chaos wherever he goes. You know, once in a while we check into Chaos just to remind ourselves that he's in the episode. And uh, so now Dr. Lynn's about to do her experiment. Both Superboy and Bizarro are in their respect, respective chambers and engulfed in some smoke. And there's some blinking lights. You know, because blinking lights tell all. That is the key to, the key way to show that something is happening. Blinking lights. So, while they're giving Bizarro some of Superboy's intelligence, there's some kind of overload and the boots explode. Apparently, Bizarro's unstable structure overloaded the machine and there was no immediate change. But after a few minutes, he uh, rubs his head and starts talking regularly. It kind of took a few minutes for the uh, process to kind of kick in and for Bizarro's brain to 
catch up, but it's very weird to hear you Barry Myers' normal voice come out of Bizarro's face. All of a sudden, he goes, oh, he has headache. Oh, can I explain? Very bizarre. Superboy, meanwhile, is feeling some side effects. He's a little dizzy, you know, and this is a bit of a harbinger of things to come. And this is going to become the good guy's first mistake. Nobody thinks the check Superboy. He just says, ah, I'm all right, and he leaves with a little bit of a headache. Maybe he figured he'd sleep it off or something. I don't know. But you know what? With his power level, some, anything mildly wrong with Superboy, you need to be checking that out. So Bizarro is now learning his letters, and he's approaching this with the enthusiasm of a child eager to learn and taking joy in getting the right answers, as many children do. And then as he's learning, there is the final step, grafting skin onto Bizarro's face to make him appear human, eventually. Not sure how much time is passing during all this, but they do go out at one point, and he's wearing a long coat and bandages on his hands, and uh, face looks more like uh, Larry Trainer, the negative man from the Doom Patrol, than Bizarro. So we don't see the face right away, but... We do see a shot of uh, Dr. Lin taking the bandages off him, and uh, we don't see him until he comes to the Bureau. Or somebody comes to the Bureau, approaches Clark, and calls him brother. Yes? It's me. Me who? Don't you recognize me? Brother? Bizarro! <laughs> This is incredible. Look at you. How'd you find me? In the transfer room, along with all the information, I picked up fragments of your, your memories, your feelings, where you are, who you are. I just knew. Don't worry, I could never betray you. It's just that I never shared my secret with you. Lana. Hi, Clark. Clark, aren't you going to introduce me to your friend? Hi, Lana Lang. Bill Zorro. Bill Zorro, that's right. Have we met before? No. Yes. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Bill, and I hope to see you again. Well, I better go. I don't want to be late for school. I'll be checking in on you. See ya. Where did he come from? I thought I knew all your friends. Lana, what would Superboy think? Clark, it, it's not like that. You know, in a funny way, there's something about him that reminds me of Superboy. It took the reference to uh, Brother to get Clark to really figure out who this was, and I think uh, Clark either panics or was really excited because he rushes Bizarro out of the room. Now, I do remember having watched this episode back in 1992. Didn't record it, but I did remember the episode where Bizarro became human. And this moment where he takes, uh, where Clark rushes uh, Bizarro out of the uh, out of the office uh, was very memorable. So apparently the brain transfer gave Bizarro some kind of impressions of, about Superboy and some information, mainly who he is. And this makes uh, Bizarro the first person other than the Kents to know Clark's secret. And at first, Clark, isn't sure how to feel about this. But he doesn't really have much time to ruminate on it because Lana shows up and wants to meet Clark's friend. And they introduce him as Bill Zaro. Well, it's more of a team effort. Uh, Bizarro comes up with the Bill part and then Clark adds Zaro. 
I guess he was afraid Bizarro would take his last name or something. Couldn't have that, so he just uh, threw that in there. And Lana kind of has this knowing look. And, like, and she feels some kind of familiarity to Bill. And she asked what they met before, but you hear he trips up a little bit as uh, Bizarro says yes and Clark no. Fortunately, uh, he was B- Bill was quick enough to adapt. And then in the next scene after uh, Bill leaves, Lana says that she thought she knew all of Clark's friends and seems kind of annoyed that she doesn't know of Bill. Like, I don't know how to take that or how she means that. I mean, granted, Lana is probably Clark's oldest friend. There is no knowledge or mention of Pete Ross in this series, but uh, does that mean she would know everybody that Clark ever knew? Maybe, maybe not. But Lana intuits enough that something about Bill reminds her of Superboy. Well, he is of Superboy, so there's that. But it's funny because nothing about Clark reminds her of Superboy, and here he is standing right in front of her. Like one of those things, I guess. I guess Clark hides it better than uh, Bill does. So Clark is having some dizzy spells as a result of the uh, transference. Again, we have no idea how much time has passed between the transference and where we are now, but it has to be at least a few days, you would think. You know, skin grafts don't heal instantly. That stuff takes time, but if Clark was having these dizzy spells over time, you would think he'd have gone back to Dr. Linda to get checked out. So as Clark is uh, having dizzy spells, chaos uh, comes down the street at this moment, because of, co- because of course he does, and a grenade explodes around Superboy, and then the smoke he makes it change. Looks pretty good. The animations of Chaos shooting a Superboy in the air is a little dodgy, especially when Superboy gets shot and falls out of the air. It doesn't seem like the uh, explosions match where Superboy is. And then Superboy falls out of the sky. So now we learn a little bit more about uh, Dr. Lin and Bizarro and uh, the face that Bizarro was wearing. Danielle? I put it out this morning. I thought it was time you knew. Who? My son, Alan. He died in a war I didn't believe in. Your son? You gave me... I hope you don't mind. Mind? I'm honored. I just... What is it? For a moment, it seemed like... Apparently, we could see the picture on her desk of Barry Myers. Now, apparently, uh, she gave Bizarro her, her son's face, and he died in a war that she didn't believe in. This is a little too early for the Gulf War for him to have died uh, several years earlier. So maybe we're talking Vietnam, I guess. So here's Superboy down for the count, and the episode ends with Chaos dragging him off. So like I said, this is a two-parter that I remembered in concept. The whole meeting of Clark and Bizarro is very memorable. I remember the idea of Chaos. Even if I don't really remember the details of the episode, but I do remember enjoying it, and I do, and I did enjoy watching this first part. The first part was mainly about Bizarro's transformation with chaos sprinkled in. You know, Barry Myers must have enjoyed not having to have the prosthetics all over his face for at least part of the episode, and I liked the idea of Superboy sacrificing his possible well-being to help his brother. Again, it just feels like the type of story they wouldn't do these days, and I'm really gonna miss this show after I'm done with it. You know, Superboy, that is. I uh, think I only have 10 Superboys le- left after this, you know, another five weeks. So, coming up on a lot of lasts with this show. When I did uh, No Line Enemy, I covered the last Darla episodes. And this is the last Bizarro story, even though we will see Bizarro one more time in Obituary for a Superhero toward the end of the show. So, at this point, I'm going to take a break, play out another promo. When I come back, 
We'll finish this off with To Be Human, Part 2. Hang around, folks. Water Podcast Network is a collection of super friends plus shag. So what could be more appropriate than a podcast about the super friends? It's for all mankind, a super friends podcast, a read-through show about the classic DC comic book series covering all 47 issues of the original run plus a few surprises. Hosted by me, Rob Kelly, and a rotating group of my super friends. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It all looks good to me. All right, welcome back, folks. And I finish things off with To Be Human, Part 2. Original broadcast date was January 26, 1992. Same writing and directing team, directed by John Hunick and written by J.M. DeMatteis. Guest cast, most of the same. Paul McCrane as Chaos. Patricia Helwick as Dr. Danielle Lynn. Barry Myers as Bizarro and Bill Zaro. Russ Blackwell as Policeman Number 1. And Michael Monroe as Policeman Number 2. And our synopsis is brought to you by Wikipedia. Bizarro now has a human appearance and is calling himself Bill Zaro. He has no superpowers in this form. He's working with Dr. Lin to improve his mental skills when... When Alan died, it was like the whole world came crashing down. My only son. What could be worse? And then a year later, Joel, my husband, had a stroke. Both of them gone. How could you go on? I had my work. And my faith. Faith? In something bigger. In a power beyond this world that watches over us and works through us, even in, especially in the darkest times. I don't think I'm ready for philosophy yet. Well, philosophy has nothing to do with it. It's not about words in a book or a bearded god on a throne somewhere. It's about people. Normal people like you and me. Normal people? Helping each other and our world. The way we've been able to help you. That's what this lab grew out of. Weak as a kid. All your strength gone. No rhyme, no reason. Everything spinning out of control, running down. Even you. In my heart of hearts, I hope you'd be able to stop me. Don't look at you. The boy of steel. The champion of the downtrodden. You're a joke. The following is a forced announcement from Chaos. Are you all getting this? Do you understand now? Either you embrace the chaos or you drown. I was like him once. I bought the whole package. I believed in hopes, dreams, the power of science to create a utopian future where there'd be no wars, starvation, destruction of the ecosystem. I was going to save the whole planet all by myself. I know him. He came here looking for funding. He's brilliant, passionate, but he's so impatient. You can bleed for the world for just so long before it takes its toll. 
I was working on a new non-polluting fuel. My lab exploded. My world went up in flaming chaos. That's when I realized what a fool I'd been, trying to save a planet spiraling into madness. The only solution was to become one with the madness. So I declare the end of an old era and the dawn of a new age, the age of chaos. And it begins at midnight tonight when I climb to the top of the tallest building in Capital City, the Maywood Tower, and toss this pathetic symbol of all your false beliefs to his well-deserved death. Bill Zaro now has a choice to make. I knew the technology would have some side effects, but nothing this bad. And I have no way of knowing whether Superboy's weakened state is temporary or permanent. Not that it'll matter if he goes off that building. Damn it, I wish I'd paid more attention to those dizzy spells. It's hopeless. If we could just get him back here. How? Right now we need Superboy just to save Superboy. Or someone with his power. Bizarro? The process could be reversed. And then afterwards, you could change me back? The technology's too unpredictable. You've seen what's happened already. Then I won't do it. There are police out there, National Guard. Let them save him. Let them stop chaos. I'm not telling you what to do, Bill. Why does it have to be me? This life, this world. If I go back to what I was, I'll lose everything. Who you are isn't in the way you look. Or talk, or think. It's in here. Can you stand there and tell me that if I let you do this, that people won't look at me as if I'm some hideous monster, some inhuman thing? Bill overcomes his doubt. How did you know? Oh, when I'm hurting or confused, I'll go out and talk to Alan and Joel. I thought maybe you'd do the same thing. I still miss her. I loved her so much. She loved me. No judgment, no conditions, just an open, caring heart. She was a hideous monster, an inhuman thing. No, she was... thinking about what Superboy would do, and he sacrifices his humanity to become Bizarro and goes to rescue Superboy. Lana shows up on the top of the uh, Paradiso Hotel where Chaos is about to throw Superboy off a building, but instead she gets thrown off herself and Bizarro catches her. Bizarro brings Lana back up to the roof and Chaos pulls the mask off his face to show, It am over! 
You are saving him? Look at yourself! Look at me! You're not a part of his world, you're a part of mine! Part of the chaos! Join me. We're two of a kind. Brothers. Bizarro appears to think about it for a moment, and then punches out Crane and saves Superboy's life. We only have one brother. Then back at Dr. Lin's lab, Superboy uh, goes back into the machine and his, his dizzy spells have been cured. Thanks. Me did what me had to do. Now, me freak again. You're as human a soul as I've ever known. Wait! Where do you think you're going? We've got a lot of work ahead of us. A is for apple. Auntie. Alligator. Mm. A, M for apple. Auntie. And L, 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 G, Tor. That's good. That's really good. Well, me, well, I have good teachers. Right, uh, the uh, Wikipedia synopsis didn't go far enough, so I uh, kind of did the rest of it from memory. Maybe I should read these things and, uh, at the very least, uh, pad them before I start making shit up. So, the episode starts with we're looking through Dr. Lin's family photos, and uh, apparently she lost both her son and husband in a short period of time. And, you know, he doesn't uh, understand how she continued to go on with her life after a loss like that. And, that mirror, that's how he felt when Bizarro died. So now we catch up with uh, Superboy and Chaos, uh, who throws Superboy onto a cart here like a bag of onions. And as he's making his video, uh, Paul McCran looks like he's having a lot of fun banging Gerard Christopher's head on a crate. So Chaos is making another announcement. And it's clear that he has Superboy, and he's beating on Superboy, who is unconscious. Talk about beating a dead horse. And uh, Dr. Lynn recognizes him. Apparently, uh... I don't recall if we got his name, but Chaos was looking for funding, and apparently he was working with some kind of fuel that, at the very least, burned his hand because he takes off his glove and shows a disfigured hand. More on that later. And he was trying to, you know, save the planet and, uh, you know, with a more efficient fuel, you know, save the environment. But because his hand got burned, he went off the rails, and he's going to usher in the Age of Chaos because he burned his hand. At least that's how it looks at first. We're going to see he burned a hell of a lot more than his hand. Hey, you know, now that I think about it, the uh, disfigured Chaos character kind of uh, maybe harkens back a little bit to RoboCop, where uh, McCrane's character is horribly disfigured in the film's climax when he gets uh, doused in acid, I believe it is. Something like that. It's been a while since I've watched RoboCop. Maybe do for a rewatch. So uh, apparently Chaos is going to throw Superboy off the city's highest building at midnight. Should he really be announcing that? 
You know, you think, you know, he can announce, I'm going to throw him off here at this building. Well, you know, can't simply just be waiting for him at the front door of the building and take care of take care of him. I mean, they don't really believe anything can happen to Superboy, can they? So, Or maybe they're intimidated by the fact that uh, he has Superboy, which, honestly, he could easily fake that. But, you know, they're not, Superboy's not showing up anywhere else, so maybe uh, they don't think he's faking it, which, of course, he's not. So Superboy wakes up in the car, and he knocks Chaos out and causes him to crash. And, uh, you know, he had a burst of energy for a minute, although he's still plenty worse for wear. And uh, Superboy kind of very slowly asks Chaos to kind of let him help him. Not sure what Superboy's offering to help Chaos with. Maybe his problems. Well, Superboy seems to need more help uh, as he's just, you know, getting dragged somewhere. Superboy Heat Vision, something under the sidewalk. I couldn't make out what it was. Uh, maybe I missed, uh, if, you reckon, if you mentioned the name of the hotel, but uh starts with a P. It's a Paradiso. Lana does mention that later. So Lana gets a call as the police find Chaos's car. I don't know, I don't know who called Lana. Maybe she has a, a buddy in the police department. I wonder if Clark knows about this friend. As apparently Lana is upset about not knowing all of Clark's friends. So they find the car and Lana's going. Which apparently puts Matt in a tough spot because he's supposed to report to Jackson if Lana leaves again. But at her urging, and I like that they're friendly enough that he will cover for her. But I think he overdoes it with the, uh, I have to tie my shoes bit. I might trip. So, it's not even funny. It's just cringeworthy, actually, a little bit. So, Dr. Lynn is concerned about why the technology had the effect on Superboy that it did. It's unknown whether the effects are permanent or temporary, and she kind of uh, chastises herself for not paying more attention to Superboy's dizzy spells. Maybe Superboy should have paid more attention to Superboy's dizzy spells. Him being what he is, he should, any kind of adverse symptom, he should be reporting to somebody and have them take a look at it. And then Bizarro makes a statement, that it would take Superboy to save Superboy, which suddenly puts the idea in Lynn's head to change him back to Bizarro. But she can't return him to Bizarro after the fact, so he refuses. It's taken him a lot to get to where he is, and he doesn't want to give that up, and I don't blame him. I don't think Superboy would ask him to, but still, I don't understand why it's going to take Bizarro to stop this guy. You would think just enough overwhelming force would be enough. He's just a guy with a big gun, and he's told them where he's going. Well, at least he did until the car crash. But can't they just find him with 100 SWAT guys and the problem is solved? So Bizarro has a point. They have police. They have National Guard. Why does he have to be the one? He's not wrong. And I don't think chaos is a grave enough threat to warrant this. I can see if it were Lex Luthor out there, then yeah, maybe, maybe things are a little bit different then. But for this... I don't think this villain is as dangerous as he thinks. He didn't take Superboy out of his own volition. Superboy kind of took himself out. Maybe the police are afraid because he apparently did take out Superboy. But you know what? One call from Dr. Lynn to the police is no. There was something wrong with Superboy beforehand. You know, maybe you don't want that information getting out, but you could at least, uh, you know, convince the police that they could take this guy. I like Lynn's empathy toward him. She won't force him. She is not going to... Tell him he has to do this. But she tells him what matters is who he is in his heart. And Bizarro asks her if people would go back to looking at him like like a hideous monster, an inhuman thing. Back when this episode came out, you know, there was this one kid in school that I really despised and he annoyed the hell out of me. And I would often refer to him as a hideous monster, an inhuman thing. Don't look at me like that. I was 11. 11-year-old kids are assholes. I don't wonder if I got that from here. I must have. I've never... Right into that phrase anywhere else that I can think of. And this would have been around the right time for that. So, Lana finds Superboy's carving, 
I still don't know what it says. Lana finally says it says Paradiso, and so that's what it says. It doesn't look like it, but she solved the puzzle. So Superboy left the clue. The cop doesn't really take her very seriously, and uh, Lana is going after him. So Bill now is at Bizarro Lana's grave, and he's thinking about what she would want. And uh, Lynn finds him there, too, because she talks to her husband and son's graves when she is confused. And feels like she needs some guidance from the hereafter. And people do that. They, I'm not the type of person who really does cemeteries, but uh, if people feel they get some clarity when they're by the graves of loved ones, you know, who am I to argue with uh, that? So Dr. Lind turns the hideous monster and inhuman thing lying back on Bizarro, and Bizarro realizes what she's been telling him all along. What makes you human is what's on the inside, not the outward appearance. And again, what makes you beautiful is what's on the inside and not the outward appearance. More people need to hear that message. Beauty is far more than skin deep. So, Lana arrives at the Paradiso, and Superboy yells, Don't! I'm not sure what he's yelling, don't at, but maybe chaos, maybe he sees he doesn't see Lana because they're on the roof and she's not. And uh, Lana runs off. So, Gerard Christopher was kind of fortunate this episode. He got to lay down for most of it. He uh, tried to get up and was pushed down again, and that gets him nowhere, so back to lying down. So, While Chaos is telling Superboy that what he did was stupid, Lana shows up, which is probably stupid as well. And uh, so now uh, Bizarro made up his mind. He's going to give up his humanity to save Superboy, which is probably the most human thing he could do. And in another act of human- of extreme humanity, it must have been very hard for Dr. Lin to burn her son's face off of Bizarro. Yeah, and she does kind of tear up and say goodbye to him as uh, he comes out of the process and uh, the skin grafts are falling off. So, back in the Paradiso, we're having a fight on the roof as Chaos is about to push Superboy over and uh, instead Lana falls. And uh, that's when Bizarro comes in and catches her. So now we get an interesting turn of events on the hotel roof. Chaos pulls off his uh, mask and reveals a burned face uh, beneath what we thought was his, his real face. And now he's trying to convince Bizarro that because they're both ugly, he belongs as part of Chaos's world. You know, everyone try to confuse Bizarro. But this is truly Bizarro at his most heroic. There might have been a time earlier in his development where Bizarro might have gone for this. And Bizarro looks like he's thinking about it before he balls up his fist and knocks Chaos out. But he remembers all Superboy has done for him. And he says he only has one brother after Chaos tries the brother line on him. Again, Superboy's example has inspired Bizarro, like so many others, to be better. And I wish people nowadays had more of that understanding about the character. But they either don't understand it or choose not to understand it. I don't know. But Superman or Superboy does not have to be relatable. He has to be inspirational. He's a level we can't get to. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And that's the core of the character. That's what he is. And we're writers and creators and the world itself tries to move away from that. And that's why we get the interpretations that we do. That's why we have the Zack Snyder Superman. Instead of Superman inspiring us, we have infected Superman. He's not the problem. We are. So anyway, back to the episode. They put Superboy back into the machine and he's feeling better. And he is better, and uh, Bizarro is upset, and he admits that what he did, he, he did what he had to do, but he is 
upset about being a freak or thinking he's a freak. He he thinks he's a freak. And Superboy says what I've been thinking, that Bizarro has become very human, giving up everything to save his brother or someone he's come to think of as a brother is the most human thing Bizarro could have done. And what an evolution for the character. This is probably the character that shows the most evolution from start to finish. Think about what he was in season two, when all he was was a hideous monster and an inhuman thing. Granted, he was funny as he didn't understand what he was, or, you know, he just kind of had, like, notions of what he should do. He kind of fell into things by accident, but he was a character with a huge heart that was a little bit mentally challenged. He truly has the the best of Superboy, and it was always his lack of understanding that got him into trouble. But we still don't know where Bizarro's going to go, but Dr. Lin doesn't let him leave. And instead, they're going to teach him how to read, and he's learning how to be better than he was. He's even learning proper usage and language skills. And it shows that he can develop, and he's grateful to have a good teacher. Especially when he says, at one point he does say, I am, and, or no, he says, me have a good teacher, or something. I'll play the clip. Well, me ha- well, I have good teachers. But you see that he corrects himself to the proper usage. So Bizarro can develop. He just never had a teacher. Now he's got one, and he's finally getting the respect that he deserves. And this is the end of Bizarro's arc on the show. He will appear one more time in Obituary for a Superhero, but I believe that's maybe an interview, I guess. It's been a while. I haven't seen that episode since 1992, so but I do remember it. And I must say, I was very pleased with how Bizarro was handling this show. I think this is the best live-action Bizarro, hands down. Honestly, this is probably the most true-to-the-character Superman, even though it's Superboy. This is probably the truest of the comics that he's been done in live-action. And I would put this show up, maybe not season one, but definitely I'd put this up with the best Superman stuff out there. I have no problem saying that. He was never better in live-action TV than he is right here. And I still hold that he's never better in animated TV as he will be in Superman the Animated Series. But that's a discussion for down the line. As far as these two, this two-parter, it was uneven. The Bizarro aspect was very good, but Chaos as a villain was undercooked, to say the least, despite his skin deformity. I did like his temptation of Bizarro with their physical deformities, but he was there to give Bizarro a villain with which to prove his heroism. He was mainly a plot device. But still, despite that, this was still a solid episode. J.M. DeMatteis is definitely showing a love of character, as many of his episodes have taken deep dives into what makes characters tick, like he did with No Line Enemy and Into the Mystery. This is also the last episode written by J.M. DeMatteis. Again, much more or less my coverage of this show. So, next time, we're going to go west of Alpha Centauri, and then we're going to have some unfortunate scheduling as... The only two-parter here that's going to get broken up over two of my episodes. And they edit next week's episode with Threesome Part 1. Until then, feedback's always welcome. Manofscreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Man of Screen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. Until next time, folks, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo 
and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.